Welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to another GNT Show where I know you're all listening, you're all listening with bated breath for the 2026 Western Reds Adelaide Rams Grand Final. But we're here to preview Round 10 Magic Round and recap on Round 9 in the 2022 season. And once again, I'm joined by my co-host with the most... Hello, welcome T. We're here at Magic Round and I think I'm going for the um, antique podcast market now. That's why we're withholding these for a few years. Yeah, we have aged podcasts. Yeah, I wonder... I wonder... I wonder if Paul Kent will still be in the news by the time our listeners are listening to this. I don't know. Gee, it's really nice to hear your voice. I can't believe I'm saying that, but you're like that friend and then leaves town suddenly for seven years and then comes back when he gets kicked out of the house. No, due to a break in technical difficulties, we have now moved forward in this production. <laughs> All right, we're going to try and get this quick. The next one may have special guests. Yes. And by that, I mean... Uh, two people who get mentioned frequently on this pod. Uh, one, action, and two, cuts. Para is, of course, playing cuts' team this weekend, the Roosters at Magic Round, and they'll be joining us for Magic Round, so it'll be awesome. So, yes. listen, let's start Let's start with the Round 9 news. First up, the rumour is the NRL's contract with Queensland around Magic Round ends after next year, and they're going to bring it back to Sydney, is the, is the rumour, or New Zealand, but most likely Sydney for 2024. What are your thoughts on this? Dumb idea. I think it's great to have it in Brisbane. You know, the Sydney siders have enough opportunities to see all the Sydney teams. I don't see why you'd remove it from Brisbane. Um, you leave it here, or you take it to the country, or you take it to um, New Zealand. There's no point bringing it back in Sydney. It's silly. I actually, I actually agree with you. I actually agree with you. I think this works in Queensland. Um, and uh, because I do think the grand final should stay in Sydney. So I think this is a good quid pro quo, It is, actually. absolutely. So in, in other news, thanks, G, for your hard-hitting analysis there. Um, he's trying to get through this one quick so he can get it out before the grand final. Straight to the point this time, yep. This is di- di- this bullshit. This is very big bullshit. Why you kick my dog and yes, call him fucking? Yes. The NRL is investigating taking an equity stake in one or more venues in Sydney after the, the kerfuffle with the government. My my question is, where are they going to get the money to put this equity stake in? I don't know. Where is all the money going? Where is all the money going? Oh, can someone... It's like, it's like we've got no money. We're giving it all to the states. We're in dispute with the New South Wales Rugby League. We're going to give it to the states. And and also, we're going to buy a stadium. Hang on. This is the 50 million we just had under the mattress. It's, um, well, it's going to take more than mate, that. I don't even the know. AFLs, the AFLs that deal with Marvel was $200 million. I don't even know what to say because every week, the NRL has a different stadium strategy at the moment. So let's see where we are next week. I don't know. I mean, the government's come to... You know, to the party and giving the money each for each venue to be upgraded. I mean, if they want to take a stake, maybe they can negotiate that to a degree with the government. But you know, maybe they pay them back like revenues that are generated from from the grounds. But I would suggest they focus on getting people to the grounds in the first place. So Correct. you know, that's where Correct. their real focus should be. Correct. I I agree with that. I actually think it's a good idea. Can I all joking aside? Yep. If they have got the money somewhere and they can borrow it or however else. Um, yeah, and I'll, t- and I'll tell you why. With what happened with COVID, yeah. the AFL was able to borrow against its asset, which was Marvel ah, Stadium. Ah, okay, yep. 
Yeah, so yep. I actually think it does secure the future of the sport a little bit. And I think it depends how much it costs, right? I, I suspect given the way this state government works and the way the NRL works, that these share equity stakes in inverted commas in these stadiums might be given to the NRL. Yeah, it might be like a West Ham scenario in London where they can lease the stadium for $20 a round. Yeah, yeah, it could be something like that. So we'll 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 see yeah. we'll see what happens there. But I don't think it's such a bad idea. Makes sense when you position it like that. Well, have you have you caught up? Was there any news that caught your eye this week before you go any further? Apparently, Magic Round is on this weekend. Yeah, is it? Yes, is it? it is. is there a particular reason you want to share with our listeners why you're up there six weeks early? I'm up there six weeks early because um you know Queensland needs a bit of the G I think um just to does sort it, of yeah does, does. it I, I, yeah I, I know the police are definitely on the lookout for the G up there so, so other people in the news this week <laughs> this week the G I love I love how you're referring to yourself in the in the in the third person <laughs> someone's got like to the, like the Shermanator correct correct oh my god that's the, yeah, big, the most G. dated reference ever yeah ever ever. You make every week. You make '80s football references, and you're saying I'm I'm giving dated references. I think I think you need to hold up a mirror. <laughs> All right. Another person in the news this week: Flying Ryan Pappenheim. Yes. Not only is he injured, and it looks likely to be State of Origin again, but he is also likely to be the first two million dollar man in the NRL. Now his contract with Storm isn't worth a million bucks yet. Yep. But um. Uh, the reason why I raise this is his endorsement deals are astronomical. He's very marketable. And one of the reasons for that is his hair. I was about to say his mullet, yeah. Two million bucks a year. Any comments, G? Look, I think it's fantastic. I think it's great that um, they're getting a lot of marketing dollars and the players are actually starting to generate revenue through endorsements. He's marketable. He's small. He's relatable. He's fast. He's exciting. And he's got a you know hair that you know, drifts in the wind as he speeds past all the players. So, you know, would I would I would I buy something that Ryan Pappenheisen is selling? The answer would be yes, unless it's in a nightclub. What are you I don't even want to I don't want to even dignify that reference. why do you why what what else would you buy off flying Ryan Pappenheisen? A flannel flannelette shirt probably and some Ugg boots yeah, sort of match. That's that's what that's one thing. Okay. Maybe a holding newt. Do they still make those? In a way, they don't, do they? No, they don't. A Ford don't. Ranger. No, he's, no. He's, yeah, Ford Ranger. Wow, wow. This is, this would, at this point, I would be better off doing this pot on my own. All right. In news, in news look, I, we are now taking applications for anyone who follows the footy to come and join us on this podcast. My endorsement okay? deals have gone gotten so bad that I'm actually paying to be on here. So flying, Ryan, give me some money. Hey, future is books. I think I think I think I'd buy a book off right. I think so. T T T. <laughs> the future is in books. I gotta I gotta I I'll buy a book off flying right. I will. It's a kids book. It's a kids it's book. It's a kids book. Yeah. So in more news, Andrew Abdo, you know how the NRL are impartial. Yes. And they run a process. They absolutely are. They run processes. Yes. They're big on processes, right? They are. And, and and stamping out conflicts of interest and their governance. They're governance machines. Look, the they're NRL. great. They have governance machines. They've got governance structures. Unfortunately, they're um, about as fond of a conflict of interest policy as Scott Morrison is as well. That's right. So, so it doesn't so, exist. So you know how the NRL doesn't have favourites? No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, and we revealed that PNG was the 18th team yes. just throwing their hat in the ring. So Abdo came out during the week and backed New Zealand for the 18th <laughs> team. But he's not on the committee. 
<laughs> but he's the CEO of the NRL. I know. Perhaps, I know. Perhaps the right perhaps the right answer here was New Zealand have a strong case, but so do all the other applicants. Perhaps that was the right way to answer the question. Rather than Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Let's get New Let's Zealand get in. New Zealand in. It's not going to have any influence on the selection of the new team at all. Far out. They are great. They are the best, the NRL. Every week. Every we week haven't made a decision fail. yet, but New Zealand looks very enticing. Correct. Correct. I'll keep going because it's a big news week. Souths played Trent Peoples this last weekend, but he played unregistered. Now, they didn't win the game against the Broncos, but if they had... Oh, they would have to... Yeah, they would have forfeited They the would points. have been deducted two points. Yeah. Now, my question to you is... Should they be deducted two points anyways? Ooh, good question. Because if the penalty is a deduction regardless, then the answer would be yes. Surely the penalty doesn't depend on whether you won the well, game Well, no, or it not. doesn't. And I'm going to go way back. And this is an 80s reference. Um, if you remember when South was struggling, I think, in the early 90s, they played Scott Wilson, who was an unregistered player. He was 16 or so. because they And they got deducted two points even though they didn't win the game. And I think that made it, might have cost them a semi-spot or a playoff spot or something like that. So the precedence in the past has been they deduct two points regardless of the result. So the answer would be they should lose the two points. But, but will they? No, I don't think they will. I actually don't think the NRL will do that because they didn't win. I just think that the, if you do a crime, it doesn't depend on whether you win the game or not, right? I don't think that should be the determining factor on what your points are. What your what... And there has been recent instances as well where they've played an unregistered player or they've had 13 players on the field or 14 players on the field and they've lost the points. If you go by precedence, then yes, they should absolutely lose the points. All right, well, let's keep going. Um, in some player movement news... Kieran Foran is reported to have signed with the Titans for a two-year contract, which paves the way for John Schuster to play 5-8 next year. What do you think of this for the Titans and for Kieran? I don't know what the Titans are doing anymore. I think it's a good move for Kieran Foran. Maybe they need him I think him it's a good there. move for the Titans. I think it's a good move for the Titans. Look at their spine. Look at look at their spine, yeah? AJ Brimson, Toby Sexton, Jaden, Peachy, J- not Peachy, yeah, Jaden Campbell. Campbell, and, and their hooker is... Um, Aaron Clark, the former former prop forward, by the look of him, the former prop, yeah. the former prop forward. So, uh, Kieran Foran actually brings quite a bit of experience. They still need a hooker. That's my yeah. They the they Titans. do need that experience. I don't know if Kieran Foran's the right signing, but he's been great for Manly. He's for the been last playing few years. great this year for Manly. He's been playing great. And for he's, Manly. importantly, he's been healthy. But he, but he's he's only he's only ever played well for Des and Des's system, Kieran. Yes, that is very true. So, um, look, we'll see how it goes. I think if you're looking for a veteran presence, he probably is the right signing. He's matured as he's got, you know, gotten older um, in terms of attitude and all that kind of stuff. He's a lot healthier now. You know, he probably isn't a bad signing. But I'm, I kind of wonder what the Titans are doing then. Like, if they want a veteran, why didn't they get a veteran this year? Well, there's probably none, none on the market. None on the market, right? Who are they going to get? Not sure. They, like you say, there's a dearth of halves and stuff. You know, in the in in the NRL, like really good ones, I think. So, you're kind of hoping one of your youngsters grows into that, but maybe they think they're not good enough, and they think Foran will help them develop. Yeah. So, in other player news, this has been behind closed doors negotiations. It looks like uh, Saints and Easts are in for Cam Munster. Saints. Where did I pick that? The, yeah. They're, okay. They're the dark horses, um, and I think not that I'm making this quote up, but I believe Cam Munster said he wants to play for a technical coach like Anthony Griffin. <laughs> Yes, I'm sure he did. But, but the but the Roosters link, which refuses to go away, the rumour, has been denied by his agent. 
uh, on a little oh, show oh. called NRL 360 that he hosts. I love that. So these secret negotiations that are taking place on Monday night at 6.30 on Fox Sports. Look, if the Roosters link is there, Braith can deny it as much as he wants. But when the Roosters are really after somebody, they get them. There's a lot of rumours about Luke Keary, right, as well. So I love the Roosters, but they can be somewhat brutal sometimes with some of their players when they think they're past that they, they, go, they let them go. And I think they'll sign him. If, if the rumours are persistent around Cam Munster, I think they'll get him. All right, well, let's move on to more news then. Um, I've, I'm, I want to save a couple of these. Now, one of the news, the, the good news about the stadiums is um, actually the New South Wales government is going to bulldoze Penrith Paceway and build the new stadium, Panthers Stadium, where the Penrith Paceway is at the moment, which means the Panthers can stay at their current home ground until that stadium's ready. Great idea. I, I think um, the Penrith needs a bigger stadium. When they do well, they do pack out Panthers Stadium. So I think it'll be great to have a 30,000-seat stadium out there. And the, the game's strong out there. 25, 30,000-seat stadium that's modern is, you know, a, a good idea for, for the West. And the West is growing. They're building out there it like crazy. Growing. So, you know, it's a, it's a good, good option. And they can host other sports there, be it football or... That's right. All right. And it's staying on stadiums. It looks like the New South Wales government um, has decided how it's going to split the $800 million. It's going to be split between Brookvale, Leichhardt, Penrith... And my personal favourite, Shark Park is going to get a renovation. Didn't it already have a renovation? Shark Park, maybe you might remember it as the stadium that only reopened this year after a two-year renovation. And what they rebuilt was the exact same stadium. And now they're going to put their hand out to the state government to rebuild the stadium they've just rebuilt. I don't know what to say to that. I I, I mean, look, being a Dogs fan, I'm actually a little bit disappointed that Belmore's not getting it getting anything but we'll miss um belmore car park we can't we can't cut out belmore actually car you make park. a good point you make a good point i wouldn't do it to belmore because i don't think there's enough teams playing in the parking's atrocious around there but, it is yeah but I'll, t- I'll tell you i'll tell you where i would have where i'm surprised that they've why wouldn't they do cogra instead of belmore instead of shark park good question i don't know i would imagine cogra should get a stadium but no 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 i'm not i'm not saying it just from an nrl perspective cogra has more is used by more sports Cogra probably need doesn't need as big a redesign, but yeah, I don't know why Shark Park is. Does it just seem to matter on which teams are doing well, and then the stadiums need to be rebuilt? Well, where's Campbelltown as well? Where's the? I where's don't the know. It's a good here? question. I mean, again, they want to build numerous developments out there. So why wouldn't you fix Campbelltown Stadium? I would have thought it would have been shared around a lot more than just to fix Shark Park. Let's keep moving. During the week, it was revealed that Latrell Mitchell is off to Philadelphia to see a speci- specialist for hamstrings. Um, this doctor this doctor has um, worked on such famous hamstrings as G. Yes, he has. The reason why I raised this story is, how bad are his hamstrings? Like, for him to do this, this looks chronic. This looks chronic. Yes. And would, would he... I wonder if he would have less strain through his hamstrings and legs if he was carrying a bit less put. Tore it, so it's a matter of how bad he's he's torn it when he tore it last year. Well, did he come back before it was fully healed? Maybe, right? And then on top of that, Australia usually has excellent sports science and sports yeah. science practitioners here that, that are in demand in other countries. So I find it somewhat like you say, how bad is it that he can't find someone here that can actually look at it, be it from you know an AFL doctor or whoever, that he has to actually go to the States. I, I do find that somewhat 
interesting as to as to why and the other thing is i agree when you put on weight your running gait changes your biomechanics change i have a feeling that that's probably contributing a little bit in terms of maybe it's putting his back out a little bit and that's putting pressure on his hamstrings i mean who knows but but that's what happens right if if any ordinary person puts a lot of weight on they all of a sudden start to run a little bit differently they're not as light on their 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 feet they're not as you know in sync in the way they move so it puts different pressure on different areas of the body. So I, I wonder how bad it is that he has to leave Australia that leads a lot of the world in some of this stuff and actually go to the US. So not good news, but hopefully they can um, sort stuff out. All right, let's keep moving then. Now, Jeremy Marshall King has an option in his favour for F for 23. He needs to exercise that option by the 30th of June. He can opt out of the Bulldogs contract. The Bulldogs reportedly want to keep him. But the Dolphins, Dragons, and Warriors have all tabled offers for him. If I were Jeremy Marshall King, I'd go. Why? The Dogs have signed Reed Marnie. That's right. That's right. Even though they're saying they want to keep him, they want to keep him as a reserve. Because Reed Marnie's on big money, so he's naturally going to start solely. You can't go sign Reed Marnie on 600 grand a year and then say, hey, you're the backup to Jeremy Marshall King. It looks bad for the people who've made that recruitment decision. Whilst they do want to keep him, and it gives him some flexibility for him, if he's wanted to actually start at the Dragons, which I'd imagine he probably would be, or at the Dolphins, I'd go if I were him. I think he'd, he'd, he'd be more established as a starting hooker. And he's starting to come into his own a little bit more this year. He's playing a lot more aggressively. So I think he'd be a decent pickup for, for one, each, any of those teams. Yeah, I, look, I, I, I've always been higher on Jeremy Marshall King than you were. When he runs, I think he's a decent hooker. Yeah, he always had this thing where I have a feeling he wasn't or told not to run. When he runs and he plays an aggressive game, he's a lot more dangerous. And he does work hard. He's, he's actually defensively fairly solid. So whoever picks him up, I think it'll be, it'll be a good signing. All right, let's keep going. Now, yep. you know the World Cup is on this year. Yeah? Yes. And it's the Rugby League World Cup Yep. we're talking about. And the NRL has decided to is going to publish its own documentary about the Kangaroos. Like a Last Dance style. All right. Great. Thanks, G. All right. Great. I'm not, are you enthusiastic <laughs> about that, in all honesty? Um, <clears throat> yes, I am. And I'll tell you why. Because Brad Fittler might talk to a Christmas tree. <laughs> That's a great yarn. I've told you that yarn a few times. Yes. That's a great yarn. But but I do think, as I told you, I spent a lot of time reading a lot of rugby league books this offseason. And I read quite a few stories on the Invincibles and the Kangaroos and the history of rugby league. Quite a few books. And that's kind of reignited my passion about test football, international okay. test football again. And I don't think here in Australia we realise the transformative effect that the Kangaroos had in the 80s on the British mindset through those two two undefeated tours. I absolutely don't think we would appreciate it. We would appreciate it from an Australian perspective because growing up, all you ever hear about is they were undefeated, they were undefeated, but they never no, really no, talk no, about it. No, 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 but it changed, it changed footy in the and UK. And that's what I mean. You don't hear about it from the UK perspective. Ryan Giggs' favourite sportsman of all time Yep, was? Mal Meninga. Mal Meninga. Yeah, he's, Ryan Giggs' dad was a rugby league player, believe it or not. He was a, he was a rugby yeah. league player. Now, Ryan Giggs has other issues going Correct. on in his life. Correct, yes. He's been referred to as the G of his friendship group. Well, I haven't hit on anybody else's wives as far as I'm aware, so I think we're, that we're just very lucky you don't have a brother. Yeah. We're very lucky you don't yes, have a brother. Yes, bloody right. But you have hit on a Christmas tree. I have hit on a Christmas tree. The thing right. is, she found me, I found her quite spiky. Dad joke. Boomtish. Yes. All right. Saturday night. Yes. At, and Friday night, 
look like a sellout at Magic Round. Exciting. It's pouring rain in Brisbane, so... Um, but, but, but the crowds have been superb for the rugby league. They're really coming back. They are. Not 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 AFL good, but by rugby league standards and Sydney standards. Yeah, there's been good. a couple of good crowds this year, which I've been um, enthused by. But to be honest, mate, some of the teams that are going well, like Para, even when they're not going too bad, have a fairly solid supporter base. And when they're going well, you get some of the extras coming in. You know who's doing well? You know who's doing well? The Sharks, because the yes. Sharks get 10,000 a game, mm. and they don't even count the people in, <laughs> in the, the units that are behind watching. That are watching. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably ten thousand people on the terraces yeah. of the unit blocks. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. So, so I just, I just threw that in there because I, um, I wanted to get. Well, it's exciting. Out. Penrith, Penrith, and um, Storm deserves a full house. Well, stuff that Roosters Para deserves a full house. <laughs> yes, of course. Now, it does. Bulldogs, Bulldogs Knights are first up tomorrow night. Yes, I can't think of a worse way to start Magic Round. And if you guys lose to the Knights, that's going to be a yeah, long go. weekend yeah, for I know. you in action. I know. I know, and the weather the weather is meant to be magical, and our seats are in the rain. So I actually don't think it matters when we play. Uh, I think that's um a, what you would call a slow introduction or the entree for the main weekend. Fair enough. Now you know I've still got news to go. Do you want me to keep going? Keep going. Go. Give one or two. All right. All right. The Angus Crichton contract with the Roosters, which was announced as a two-year deal last year, remains unsigned. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it's now been nearly twelve months yes. since they've announced it. And I believe the Roosters are trying to offer him less money for next year as a way to fit Brandon Smith in the salary cap, even though they shook on higher money. That doesn't sound like that is going to go well, but if I know the Roosters, they'll figure a way out. Well, what's, the, what's the Roosters equivalent of Dynasty Restaurant? <laughs> I don't know. I've been to the Roosters Leagues Club. It's a shithole. So's Parabot, for that matter. Para Leagues Club's I terrible. thought Para Leagues Club would be good. Remember we went after a game, and I yeah, thought, yeah. this is about... This is all, It's actually this as is old shit. as my footy references. Yes. This is shit. This is shit. I was shit. half expecting Brett Kenny to walk in with his, his, his playing uniform on. I don't know. I guess it used to be City Ford with Nick Polides, but now I'm not really sure. We have to we have to find out if anyone knows what the um, Roosters Dynasty restaurant equivalent is. So um, I've only got two more stories cool. to go. Yep, let's go. I'm going to save my favourite one for the last. Um, the Triple M saga. Yes, yes. So so management asked Tony Squires to host the show. Oh my god! Yes. And Paul Kent, Paul Kent, and James Hooper asked Gus Warland. They asked them independently of each other. So two people. Had an offer to host the show. Did they both turn up? Each other, and then management hired someone else. <laughs> okay. Great. Gee, can I ask you a question? Can yes. I ask you a question? If you're recruiting for a role... Yes. That's a direct report to you. Yes. Does one of your direct reports go to someone they know and offer them the job? <laughs> no, they don't. Yeah, and this is what's happened at Triple M. Then and if then, I offer the job uh, to someone else, I wouldn't then go give the job to somebody else. Well, he ended up give, the, the producer of the show ended up giving himself the job. I don't even it's, know. it's the best. It's the best. So you it know, gets better, though. Does this, gets NRL, better. Gets better. does this NRL mentality seep into the media that's covering him as well? <laughs> it gets better. It gets better. Yeah. James Hooper issued an on-air apology. Yes. Triple M asked Paul... Yeah, to Anthony to, Maroon. To Maroon. Yep. Triple M asked... Paul Kent to do the same. Yep. Paul Kent wrote 
an absolutely scathing article about the whole incident in yesterday's Telegraph. Oh, okay. He said it was it was a woke culture and he won't be apologising and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> what bit, what, bit, what of... bit of Anthony Maroon's taxation issues is a woke culture issue? Mate, mate, it's like I'm living in Bizarro World. What the and then hell? Paul Kent, and then Paul Kent resigned from the Triple M show today. No shit, Paul. <laughs> this is awesome. Taxism. This bloody damn taxism. People are too woke these days. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck <laughs> is going on? Are these guys running the Bulldogs? They could be. <laughs> Mate, that's a great story. I love it. It's awesome. How many different parts are there? This is huge. The NRL. It's the best. It just keeps on giving. You know what I love about the NRL? Even the reporters are a story. I know. Oh, my God. Shit, this is brilliant. Yeah. And my favourite story of the week, G. Yep. Was Fox Fox's NRL channel being sponsored by Greyhound Racing and having all the footy stars and Andrew Voss go out to the Magic Millions race to cover the Greyhouse Greyhound Racing on Fox NRL? Why? I don't know, but I suspect it has something to do with the lack of conflict of interests between one emperor and two News Corp. You know what, Fox? You know what, Steve Crawley, who is the head of Fox Sports. You know, you know what's a dead giveaway for the Rugby League Channel? The fact that it's called the Rugby League Channel. I think that's bloody brilliant. I can't believe so, it. Here's, <laughs> I here's what, can't believe. Here's here's what's not Rugby League: Greyhound racing, horse racing, or any other sport that's not Rugby League. Why would they pick Greyhound racing as well? Such a controversial sport. It's almost like it's almost like they're tone deaf. And there's Andrew Voss. Crossing live and talking about... Oh, it's ridiculous. But, but it helped um, a certain Peter... Um, I can't remember his surname. Melandis. Um, you know, with uh, the New South Wales Racing. I just... I just... Uh, what do you say to that? Let it not be said that there's no conflicts of interest in the NRL. Mate, I don't even know what to say. It's bloody brilliant. It is bloody brilliant. All right, shall we move on yes, to the footy, we G? Should. We do want to cover yes. this off. First off, round nine, um, Adam Re- the Adam Reynolds show was really put on by the Broncos. They stunned the Rabbitohs. Yeah. Um, he ca- came back to haunt his old side, scoring a try and setting up two more as the Broncos cruised, really, to stun the Rabbitohs at home at Acor Stadium, 32-12 on Thursday night. Yeah. After missing, after missing the round one encounter between both clubs when he had COVID, Reynolds made up for lost time against the side he played 231 games for as the Rabbitohs junior across a decade at Redfern. Adam Reynolds looked in control from the very early stages of the Broncos' victory, racking up 16 of the side's 32 points in a happy homecoming. It was an unhappy night for the home side, though, who couldn't really get out of second gear despite a double to Rabbitohs winger Tane Mill. The Broncos got on the board first through Broncos through Corey Oates, who scored his seventh try of the season by leaping over the top of Blake Taff and Tane Mill to score. Um... Blake Taff and Lachlan Ilias not working. No, they're struggling at the moment. They're really struggling. Yeah, Brisbane extended their lead when the side's two props, Tom Flegler and Pat Carrigan, kept the ball alive with offloads to send Adam Reynolds over to get one against the form, his former side. The Rabbitohs were denied a near-certain try when Tane Mill lost the ball, attempting to score in the 18th minute. South Sydney hit back before halftime with a slick scrum play on the right edge, ending in Milne, ensuring he put the ball down this time to ensure the Bunnies got on the board in the first half. The Rabbitohs had all the running early in the second half but couldn't capitalise on territory with their last play options and errors letting them down. This is where Milne, Cody Walker and um, 
Lachlan Ilias need to take some take some accountability here. Sorry, Taff instead of yeah. Brisbane crossed for their third in the 51st minute when Reynolds put Blake Tarfey under pressure with a bomb, which he spilt for Selwyn Cobbo to capitalise. The Rabbitohs got their second through Milne with another right-edge raid to get back within six. However, an error from the kick restart on the following set ended in the Broncos earning a penalty goal through Reynolds to extend their lead to eight. Brisbane grabbed their fourth of the evening in the 64th minute when Herbie, the love bug, bamboozled the Raiders, uh, the Rabbitohs' defence from a scrum play on the left edge for a 20-metre carry to the line. Uh, the only concerns for the Broncos, forward Reese Kennedy was placed on report in the second half for contact with the elbow on Damian Cook. The Rabbitohs' completion rate was only 70%, and they really cannot hold on to the ball this season, which is a big problem for them. Uh, Jason Demetrius got some problems there. Now, that... Now, the Brisbane forwards were strong without the services of Payne Haas and Kurt Capewell. So that was a really good sign for the Broncos. And it was the first time since 2018 the Broncos have beaten South Sydney twice in a season. What do you think of this one, G? You summed it up. South are struggling to hold the ball, but I think because they're pressing, the the fluidity in attack isn't as it working as well as it did last year, and it's not as easy for them to score. So I think they're really pressing and trying to force the issue a little bit. The Broncos really pressed Cody Walker... Sorry, and attacked Blake Taff um, and really put pressure on them. They were kind of hustled and bustled out of the game a little bit. And in terms of the... Were they man-muscled? I don't know if they were man-muscled, but there's no Russell. Russell, the man-muscle that plays for the Broncos. But I thought the Broncos toughened up defensively. They played South really well. They they were aggressive in defense and moved up quick. And they got a few lucky breaks with some kicks to score. South were sort of in it in the first half, but the Broncos just kept them at bay. Like, they didn't let them... They were creating space, but they were trying to always go around them. And, um, and then the Broncos, you know, scored through Herbie Farnworth, like, and, you know, cut back in with some great footwork. And then by that time, I think the, the game was over. And then when they were up by eight, and I just didn't think South could peg them back. I thought the Broncos knew they were going to win the game. Their confidence... They had the confidence to hold them out. They, they look like they're believing that they can beat some of these teams now, whereas last year, I don't think they really did. So I think it was a good performance. And you saw the good thing is we saw Selwyn Cobbo in the clear. Love seeing, you know, um, Pacey backs out sprint some of the players. But I just thought they were enthusiastic, the Broncos and South, just a little bit, like you say, out of sync. It's not, they're, they're struggling, struggling to score, which is what made them so lethal. And the Broncos, good win. It's really good, good win. win for the Broncos. All right, everyone, settle in. It's that time of the week. Uh, yeah. It is Bulldogs Hour in a game of the year contender. The Raiders 14 versus the Bulldogs 4. It is a game Canberra of the year have... contender. Just one of the worst games uh-huh. of the year contenders. That's true. Canberra have ended their five-game losing streak with a 14-4 win over the Bulldogs, but lost Jared Croker to a shoulder injury on Friday night, which will make their team stronger for Magic Round. <laughs> well, I, look, poor Jared Croker. He's just he's finished. Addition right? he's by done. subtraction. But he's done. Yeah, right? he's... Am I the only one thinking this? I mean, everyone wants him to succeed, but he's done. He he's is, but I do think he, he came up with a couple of um, smart, you know, attacking plays, you know, with his experience that yeah, helped but, them. Yeah, but, but, but the problem the problem is Jared Croker in defence, and you guys threw nothing at of him. Of course, not against us. If they play the good teams, Jared Croker's a problem in defence. Absolutely. I mean, the Raiders dominated with field yeah. position and possession for most of the contest, but couldn't capitalise on the scoreboard. They had 61% possession throughout this game, and they, they only put 10 points on in the first half. And they had 50 tackles across the whole game in the in the red zone in the 20 metres, opposition 20. So... So your defence wasn't the problem, or, or alternatively, the Raiders' attack wasn't that great. But but they couldn't capitalise on the scoreboard enough early against the gritty Bronx Bulldogs outfit who turned the home side away more often than not. Yeah. However, it was a clash the Raiders needed to win after a difficult month of winless results, and particularly given they were without start 5'8", Jack White, and due to suspension. Now, was it just me, or did they look better without Jack White? 
they look a little bit more like a team, if that makes sense. I, I think with Jack White... just throw and, the ball to Jack yes, and let him do his trick. Yes, it's a little bit more fluid. And I think when you have a player like that, and this will come to Newcastle, very similar, they're relying on him too much and they're waiting for him to do everything. At the moment, now, yeah. whether that's the game plan or you've got people that... I like think you mentioned it with Paris sometimes, like a Dylan Brown didn't have the confidence to call out, overcall, you know, a Mitch Moses. So maybe a Matt Frawley or Schneider doesn't have the experience or the belief that they can change a call on Jack Whiten. So I think they looked a little bit more fluid. Um, like you, I thought they dominated the game, really, the Raiders, and really should have won by more. I was hoping that at 14-0 they might have some second-half wobbles that they've had a few times this year, but the Bulldogs just wouldn't be wouldn't have been good enough. They did nothing in attack, and it was easy meat for the Raiders' defence. There were a couple of good tries. I loved Matt Frawley's try, a bit of an old-school dummy, and then dummied the fullback, so that kind of looked really cool. 14-0, I thought maybe... The Raiders might have the second half lull. Bulldogs, um, just very disappointing. I thought the game was pretty ordinary. I didn't think the Raiders... I don't know if the def- Bulldogs' defense was really good or the Raiders' attack, I think, was poor. I think it was a, probably a combination of both. So here's my view. My view was um, you guys made too many errors, right? You made 14 errors. You completed at 65%. So you constantly gave the pill yes. back. And Canberra had field position the whole game. In light of that, yes, I think you guys defended pretty well. But... I don't, I, I don't think your problems are at that end of the field this year. No. I think they were last year. I just don't think you, you, you don't. I don't think you do enough with the we, ball in hand. We don't. And um, the, the worrying part for me too is Burton looked better running the ball. And we talk about whether he's ready, he's really ready to be a five-eight or even a playmaker. He's essentially the main playmaker, and I don't think he's quite there yet. I think he is better as a a wide runner or at least have a halfback that takes the pressure off him a little bit. So, But I thought the Raiders did well. They played solid. I thought their halves did okay. And I thought their back rowers like Whitehead and um, and Corey Harawir and Ira sort of threatened the Bulldogs' defense on the fringes and at least put them under pressure. So um, it was a good win by the Raiders and a, an, another really poor performance in attack by the Bulldogs to score four points. That's pretty poor. It's pretty poor. Against the Raiders Against team, the Raiders, that's not, not very good. And I thought the Raiders did it quite easily in the end. Fair enough. All right, well, let's move on to the the actual game of so the round. So Phil Gould mustn't have coached the team this week. Must have been Trent no, Barrett because again. because they lost. Yeah, yeah it'll go against, it'll it will. Go against now Trent, it's Trent, Trent Barrett's record. There'll be no mentioning of him sneaking into the dressing room and giving no. tactics. A no, tactics no, no, session. Even though, even though he coached the whole week. Of course. So... So now we move on to the genuine game of the week contender. It was the Friday night game on Channel 9. And as I predicted, which I didn't. No, you didn't. Uh, the, Eels, the Eels have defeated the Panthers and have ended the Panthers' 21-game winning streak at Bluebet Stadium. Yeah. We have now beaten the Panthers and the Melbourne Storm away from home this year. Yes. We won this one 22-20 in a battle of the West. The Eels trailed 14-10 midway through the second half in front of a record sold-out crowd in Penrith Yeah. before two pieces of brilliance from Ryan Madison and Dylan Brown proved the difference in the end. With the match sold out more than a week ago, the Eels were reeling after their 35... And the Eels were reeling after their 35-4 loss to the Cowboys in Darwin last week and muscled up in defence to sap the Panthers late. The Panthers copped a double blow pre-game with Ivan Cleary, knee infection, and assistant Cameron Sheraldo, COVID-19, both missing the match, meaning fellow assistant Andrew Webster coached the, the Panthers. On the field, the Panthers had a double boost with Brian Toa and Moses Leota 
returning from injuries with both making solid contributions after long layoffs. A double to Taylor and May and a stirring performance from Billy Army Kikau helped the home side take a 14-10 lead midway through the second half after both teams traded two tries in the opening 40 minutes. But it was the Eels who held their nerve in the final quarter and matched it defensively to come up with the big plays at the death in much-needed confidence boost after a week of criticism. It only took the Panthers four minutes to open the scoring through Dylan Edwards having a great season. Yes, um, when he, he went is. down the blind side and was too strong for Hayes Perham on the edge. Momentum began to swing in Parramatta's favour with Will Penasini taking advantage of Viliami kick-out requiring treatment on the left edge. It was very clever play by Will Penasini in this game to take on the defence from close range before yeah. close offloading for Gutho. Parramatta hit the lead through a Reed Marnie penalty try um, and the Eels hooker was held, when the Eels hooker was held back by Jamin Salmon a former eel without the ball, with the NRL bunker deeming Marnie would have scored from close range. 50-50 decision. I agree, 50-50. I mean, he looked like he was going to score, but you see people held up from that position all the time. 50-50 decision, yeah. I thought the Panthers have been unlucky with that one. Ah, fuck them. Eels winger (laughs) Hayes Perham with a knock-on and and Brian Toa obstruction were both night tries in the first half in close calls. Um, Penrith scored a try before halftime to level the scores at 10-all. Viliami Kikau, who appeared to knock on in the lead-up, which was the biggest miss of all time. And if you haven't gone online and seen Jonathan Thurston's reaction to it, you do yourself a favour and go online and do that. It is great, and he's absolutely right. Anyway, they provide a deft grubber for Taylor May to scoring goal. May's double, finishing off a kick-out pass on the left edge, made him the fastest player to get 10 tries for the club in eight games. The Eels led the off... And this is the way the Eels attacked the Panthers. They attacked through offloads. offloads. There was a lot of second-phase play. It was 19-5 to five in this ga- in this game. Um, and actually, I think they may have shown the rest of the comp how to break the Panthers' You can't come line. at them with simple football. You've got to challenge your defence, and offloads throws the defence out. And, and, and it's got a stick, it's right? Got a stick, it's got a stick, of course it does. And I thought the Eels played off the back of that really well. So... But you can still see it still wasn't easy. The defense was still fantastic. And the Eels still had to, you know, commit and be energetic and keep it going. It, it was a high. I thought in this game, T, the defense from both sides was really good. And it was hard to score tries. And you needed to play good football to score tries. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, look, I thought it was a great game. It was a good I game. We played really, really well. If we can just find some consistency and play like that every week, we are a genuine contender. Um, if we don't get that consistency, we're a pretender, in my view. Is it a con- con- is it a consistency thing, or is it the Eels can raise their game when they play against the Storm and and the Panthers? Because they seem to do this all the time. They do, they do, but I don't think you can win a comp that way. I think if the Eels are in the top four, they're probably the one team that seems to be able to raise their game that notch to match Penrith and the Storm. Whilst week to week, they don't have the same consistency as those two teams. It can affect you in the semis because the level you have to go up is far higher. But they've shown that they can match these two teams when they're invested and enthusiastic and locked in. So, look, like you said, packed house at Penrith. It was fantastic. I thought it was a really, really good game. I thought the Eels played a different style of football and really tried to attack Penrith's defense. They didn't really just go through, you know, through the set, simple set plays. They, they came at them with quite a bit of depth. They had variety, they had inside and outside runners, and they relied on the offload quite a lot. And, you know, even looking at their first try to Gutherson, when Penasini had a great offload through three players and flicked it out, if he does the normal thing and just runs and takes that tackle, Penrith already had him covered up. They weren't expecting that offload, and Gutherson's always alive with the ball. I thought Gutherson was great in defence. I thought Parra played really well. I thought Marnie kept himself alive. 
and was buzzing around the forwards looking for those offloads and playing like a little bit of an extra halfback. You know, I thought Brown's defence on the fringe was really good against the Panthers, and that helped a lot. Um, and I thought both teams defended really, really well. It was a great game. I, I loved Ryan Madison's try. I thought that was a bit a big... You know, I thought Penrith were going to hold power out, but the short ball by Guthrie was great, but the footwork by Madison getting him in space, I think... You know, that really, they didn't expect that's the bridge. The, that's the best game. That's the best game Ryan Madison has played in over six months. I, I would say so. And I was, I actually, in part of my notes, I was like, I'm not really sure Parra uses his full potential. He's a wide running back rower with good oh, I footwork. Think I, I think, think it's so? him. I think it's him. Okay. I think it's him. You, you watch the Eels a lot more closely than me. It's just. I think his work rate is inconsistent game to game. Fair enough. And fair enough. I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it's Brad Arthur changing tactics that dramatically from game to game. I don't think he's that type of coach. So I think he's a little bit at the whim of the effort plays of his team. Do you know what I mean? So yes, I do. They wake up and they're on, and they he they, plays they, off them, and if they're not, he's a bit off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got you. Yeah. Well, I look I, for me. I thought it was a great game of football. I thought the Panthers played fairly well. Both teams defended and scrambled really, really well, and the tries. I mean, some of them may have looked easy, but the teams both had to really work to score tries, had to really play football. And um, I think it's a good sign for the Eels. They're not as consistent as the Panthers, but if you're the Eels, see, you walk away, hey, we beat the Storm. Yeah, you take the win. Yeah, and we yeah, beat Penrith at home with a packed Penrith Stadium. I hadn't lost the game. So you, take a, you walk away with that thinking, you know what, if we're up and we play our best, we can beat them. So, I agree. I agree. And it was away from home. Away from home. Record, yeah, good win. Crowd. Great win. Great win. Great win. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to another great win against a very, very good side. And that was the Sea Eagles versus the Tigers on shitty Saturday. Um, the Sea Eagles won this 36-22 in front of a packed house at Four Pines Park. The crowds have been good, as I mentioned yeah, earlier. Yeah, good crowd um, at Four Pines Park. Great. Oh, sorry, Brookvale Oval. Brookvale Oval. Tommy Turbo returned from a knee injury after a month out, but it was younger brother Ben. The three brothers... How many Trebojeviches are there? Are there like six of them? I think... I. I think there's only another seven or eight to come through the juniors, but it was younger brother. They clearly didn't have TVs in the house, um, but it was younger brother <laughs> no. Ben who stole the oh, limelight with two. Tr- yeah, they, they only had one book. There was an ancient one. I think so. Something Sutra. Yeah, it's um, possible. Younger brother Ben stole the limelight with two tries in just his sixth NRL game. After absorbing a heap of early pressure from the home side, it was the West Tigers who looked to have struck the first blow through Winger. Asu Kapoa, yep. but in the 26th minute, but the try was disallowed due to obstruction. Manly then made their way downfield and scored after DCE jumped into dummy half and put Ben over in the right corner for the first try of his career. A huge swing in momentum when Stefano was sent to the sin bin in the 33rd minute after consecutive penalties against the Tigers, and Ruben Garrett crossed in the next set for Manly to make it 8-0. The home side then had their third try in the shadows of halftime when Christian Tuopalutu took the final pass from Ben to cross, cross in the corner. Garrick's sideline conversion made it 14-0. That sin binning basically killed the game, right? It was 14-0 at halftime. Seven minutes into the second half, DCE had a try of his own after taking a pass from youngster Tolatau Kula and turning Tigers fullback Stafford Toa inside out. Just when it appeared Manly would run away with the game was Luke Garner hitting back for the Tigers, outpacing Tommy T on a 70-metre run. Is it a worry for the Sea Eagles that Luke Garner outsprinted Tommy Turbo? You'd have to think it is a little bit. I think Luke Garner is a lot faster than people would think he is. Um, he's always had a fair bit of pace, but you've got to wonder if Tommy Turbo is basically sprinting past everybody as of last year, he probably should have caught him. So, 
maybe he's scared. He isn't quite ready to stretch out yet. Or, or maybe, maybe he only he saves his top speed for Harry on the course. He, that's probably yeah. He's he's he's, he's got a speed limiter. Doesn't want to get booked. Now, two minutes later, the Tigers looked to have scored again, but Tyrone Peachy was ruled to have lost the ball as he attempted to put it down. Rather than drop their heads, though, the Tigers bounced straight back with Peachy scoring off a Luke Brooks grubber, and it was game on at 18-12. Yeah. But when Josh, yeah, but when Josh Aloia powered over from close range, the Seagulls had restored their 12-point gap. Ben Trebojevic then completed his double in the 61st minute, and the Bookvale crowd was in party mode. With 10 minutes to play, the Tigers hit back when Englishman Oliver Gildart produced some fancy footwork to score, but Jackson Hastings was unable to convert, so Manly had breathing space at 30-16. to 16. Garrick took his personal tally to 16 points when he scored wide out off a pinpoint Kieran Foran pass before Joe Offerhengawi snuck over from dummy half to give the Tigers the last word. The Tigers kept coming back in this game. I was impressed with their spirit. Their defence, again, remains a problem. They were spirited. They kept the, ti- the Tigers can get to 22, 23 points. Like, the, how many times have they done it this season? They're, and, and they were the same last year. Remember, they were the team that scored the, that, that crossed the 20-point mark the most and lost. It was like nine games last season. The problem remains in defence. Oh, look, I think the Seagulls scored a couple of decent tries. I think you can't really count the last one where they'd sort of given up by that stage. But there, there was there's elements here and there. They're not as bad as they were last year, but there's still elements of some of that poor defence. The, the, the Daly Cherry Evans try when um, Kapoa danced around. There was four or five guys there, four or five Tigers, and he literally just sort of exploded, danced around them, and then got an offload. Surely four or five people should be able to tackle him. He, it's not like he sprinted around them with speed. He actually stepped back into them. And then Daly Cherry Evans had no one chasing him. So I thought that was really poor defence. And after coming back and working so hard to get back in the game, to have Josh Alawaye score a barge over try, you know, not through burrowing or using power, just sort of... With four guys on him, you know, I, I thought that was pretty poor. A poor try to give up after he worked so hard to get back in the game. Yeah, and... yeah, I agree. I agree. It was 18-12 at that point, right? They should have defended a bit better. There. Yeah, and they, they kind of fell away. I, I mean, they were spirited. I thought, But it's these it's these, it's these, these one percenters that are letting the Tigers yeah, down. Yeah, so you take away those two tries where if you think about it, with just even standard defense that isn't sort of so slack, that's a 12-point swing. You know, you're right in it, and they could have had a chance to win the game. I, I still think the Tigers are playing a little bit conservatively again because, to start off with because they've got something to lose. You know, they, they keep on punching back, though, when they're behind. I, I think they've got the attack. Once they start playing good football, it's kind of there. But defensively, like you say, they have lapses still. Their forwards seem to get tired, and they fall away at times. So there's something they really got to fix because they're, they're, they're hanging in a, a couple of games now, right? Um, And as for Manly, they're a little bit too good. But they did start to panic a little bit. I thought their intensity dropped a little bit, um, to be honest. And then the Tigers took advantage of that. I thought they were going to run. They thought they were going to run away with that game in front of a you know packed crowd. Uh, They they did don't put their you know foot to the pedal. And then all of a sudden, the Tigers hit back. But then I think they sort of almost refocused. And Alawai scored, and then they just ran away with it. Even though the Tigers kept on coming, I thought once he scored, there was only one winner. Tigers spirited, Manly did what they had to do. Yeah, okay, good good analysis, G. I knew I knew if we talk long enough, you'd eventually come up with something that our listeners would be interested Fantastic. in. Fantastic. All right, let's move on to the next next yep. game of shitty Saturday, and that is the Roosters versus the Titans, and what a performance by the Titans. You thought I was going to say Teddy, didn't you? But no, the Titans were pathetic. A hat-trick of tries by Sydney Roosters captain James Tedesco ended his side's two-match losing streak 
with a 44-16 defeat of the Titans in Mackay. Tedesco scored back-to-back tries in the first half to put the Roosters on top after conceding an early try before losing hooker Sam Verrills with a shoulder injury and prop Lindsay Collins to the sin bin. Um, the Kangaroos fullback grabbed his third try in the 65th minute to put pay to a second-half Titans comeback, and the Roosters finished too strong against the Gold Coast team, which has now lost five consecutive matches. Tongan winger Daniela Tupu and star rookie Joseph Suali played on the right wing. Each scored two tries in what became a lopsided contest, despite the Titans having a greater share of possession. They just looked mechanical. Um, it was a frantic start to the match with Bo Firma scoring in just the second minute after Joseph Suwali fumbled a Will Smith grubber in the Roosters in goal and the Titans centre pounced on the loose ball. Roosters captain James Tedesco hit back for his side almost immediately after putting centre Joey Manu into space and backing up on the inside to score in the sixth minute. The Roosters suffered a double blow when Sam Verrills came from the field with a shoulder injury and Lindsay Collins was simbin for a shoulder charge on Corey Thompson. Yet momentum swung the way of the 12-man Roosters with Tedesco scoring his second try in the 25th minute after combining with Luke Keary and stepping out of an attempt at Brian Kelly tackle, who Brian Kelly had a very, very... Uh, a night to forget, let's yes. describe it as that. Yep. He was awful in defence. When Collins returned to the fray, the Titans seemed unable to hold on, and Suali scored in the 33rd minute before Star Tong and prop Siasu Takiaho's crashed over two minutes later. Titans prop Sam Lasone gave his team some hope at halftime when he forced his way over for a 37th-minute try. And when Herman SASA, who I didn't realise was still playing, scored just two minutes into the second term, they were suddenly back in the game. A 62nd-minute try to Daniela Tupu try extended the Roosters' lead to 28-16, and then Tedesco put the result beyond doubt five minutes later when he dummied past Will Smith and beat AJ Brimson to score. Tupu got his second try in the 75th minute after catching a Harbour Bridge pass from halfback Sam Walker and strolling over to touchdown in the corner while Suwali completed the win in the 77th minute. Um, the Titans for mine, look, they're in a bit of trouble. Look, they tried. They really did try. I thought... You know, I said they were they were terrible at the beginning. They weren't quite terrible, but but man, they look a long way off their potential at the moment. They're me. way off. I've said last year they look heavy, they look unfit, they're not able to play a fast tempo game, and I don't think, like I said, they know who they are. They they've recruited a power game sort of pack, but what actually suits their style of football that Jim Dimmick and um and I, he's lost the term super now. Um, and Justin Holbrook, they play a very skillful style of footy. So what they've recruited doesn't quite fit the tempo and the speed at, and the style of football they want to play. So I, I find that very unusual, and I wonder if they are recruiting or if there's a recruitment committee. So I don't think they've recruited the right players or they have the right fitness in place for those players to play their style of football. And I think they're really struggling. They're falling off tackles. They're, they're, they're really struggling in defence. Brian Kelly was terrible. He got carved apart. I don't know how Greg Marju is still in that team, to be quite honest. He gets carved apart in defence every other week. And look, Teddy had one of his good games. I thought Kiri and Teddy were very direct. I mean, I mean, the Titans, the Titans for the last year and a half, have always had points scored on them. Like, yes, they've been like the Harlem Globetrotters. That could score. Like if you score, if you score twenty, we'll score thirty type thing. Uh, but but now but it's you score thirty, that, we'll score eight. Yeah, the, the attacks come back quite a long way. And I just thought, you know, the Roosters were really good uh, when they needed to be. I don't, I don't think, I don't think you can take too much. I don't think the Titans. The, the, the are, thing the is, Titans they were terrible. Great. But the good, the good signs for the Roosters is that their their good players stepped up and actually tore the Titans apart, even though the Titans weren't that great. So you know, um, it's a good sign, a good win for the Roosters. They needed the two points, and it just keeps them humming along whilst they're still fixing things. But they looked a bit better this week. 
And let's move on to the second most surprising or equal first yep. surprising team in the comp. Last game on Saturday, a, a dominant second half display propelled the Cowboys to a fourth consecutive win against the brave and improved Knights outfit in Townsville. Uh, this 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 win actually moved North Queensland to third behind Penrith and Melbourne. Yes. Yep. Uh, so 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 they've done a great great job. job. And I was wrong about and I was wrong about Chad Townsend. He produced four try assists from kicks. With teenage second rower Jeremiah Nanai among the beneficiaries in a stunning performance that showed why he's so highly regarded by Todd Payton. Uh, the Knights lost Tyson Frizzell before the game and Jack Johns and Edric Lee in the second half, but turned in a much improved performance after heavy defeats by the Eels and Storm, with Caelan Ponga leading the way. They trailed 16 12 at half time, and the Cowboys did not concede a point after the interval in a ruthless performance. Tom Dearden stunned the Knights in just the second minute when he slid over in the corner and was cleared of a double movement after Chad Townsend had shaped a kick before passing to his halves partner. After failing to score a try in their two previous matches against the Eels and the Storm, the Knights finally had something to cheer about when Caelan Ponga combined with Tex Hoy to put Jamaican winger Dom Young over in the 10th minute. In comparison to the Knights, Kyle Felt had no problem scoring tries with the Cowboys winger finishing with a hat-trick against the Eels last weekend and crossing in the 24th minute after an overhead pass from fullback Scott Drinkwater. However, the Knights hit back five minutes later when Ponga grubbed into the right goalpost and the ball bounced perfectly for chasing prop Jacob Saifidi to score. Hoy then stepped his way through the defence of the Cowboys forwards Jeremiah Nanai and Griffith Naame before putting hooker Chris Randall over in the 38th minute to grab the lead for Newcastle at half-time. But but that was basically it, right? The Cowboys completely dominated the second half. I won't go through yeah, each try. you don't need to. But, uh, no, but it was a great, great performance from, from the Cowboys in the second half to, to, to run out winners 36-16. to 16. What did you think of this one? Improved performance by the Knights. I think the last two games, their attitude was really poor. And so at least they put in this game and they had a dig. I thought they played a very good first half. But I also think... You know, with Crossland and Hoy as their halves, although Hoy actually had a decent game, there's a lot of reliance on Caelan Ponga to be everything. And I don't know if that's good for them, and I think that's where they've kind of struggled. They don't play that way when he's not there. That's And this is the thing. I think they've. I think this is where they're struggling. They're, they're adjusting to how much influence does Caelan Ponga have because he's the main guy, right? Um, so, But, look, they did well. They, they scored a great try off the scrum. I thought, you know, there was, um, again, Scott Drinkwater is the X factor for the cow- for the Cowboys. And again, they've stumbled on him by accident. And he's just, he gives them this, you know, broken field attacking mindset. He's a little bit like a, a, a Munster from Melbourne, where if there's an opportunity, he just goes for it. He doesn't care if it's first tackle, third tackle, fifth tackle. He's a really attacking footy, footy player, and that's really helped them. Um, I thought they did well the Knights ago, 16-12 up at half time, And then I think... They had a little bit of luck, the Cowboys, with a, couple, a poor kick by Chad Townsend resulting in a try by Tuolungi, but poor defence by the Knights. He basically cut right back through the middle of the defence and there was no one there, which is pretty poor, right in the middle of the field. And then um, another fifth tackle sort of bomb, which led to a, a, another try. But And then a little bit of bro- um, broken field magic by Scott Drinkwater, sorry, and, and Val Holmes, where they set up a try out of nothing for um, Val Holmes, where Tuolungi sort of drew two players and broke, and then that broke the game open and put them ahead 24-16, um, and I thought from there that they just went on with it, and Jason Tuomolalo is really stepping up for the Cowboys, and the whole team's playing well, and I loved Nanai's try, this again off a kick, but this time he got the ball off a pass and then showed good footwork to, you know, step around the traffic cones, that was the Knights' defence, so, mate, the Cowboys... 
they they've got something. Townsend isn't rely. They don't have to rely on him to produce magic all the time. He can play the organising halfback, and now they've got playmakers across the field, and their confidence is sky high, and they're looking great. All right, let's move on to the Sunday games. Um, Melbourne ensured that Kenny Bromwich celebrated his 200th game in style with a 42 to six win over the Dragons, but they lost Ryan Pappenhuysen and Remus Smith to injuries. Tries to Pappenhuysen and Nick Meaney in the first half set up a 12-0 lead before the Storm went on with the job despite being down to 15 players for most of the second half. The Dragons did well to absorb some pressure early but weren't given many opportunities to attack the Storm line with Cam Munster and Harry Grant putting on a show at double AMI. The Storm lost Pappenhuysen to a left hamstring injury after he had his right knee assessed at halftime after copping a knock from Blake Laurie in a tackle. Um, Pappenhuysen crossed for two tries to continue his try-scoring run before leaving the field. He joined Remus Smith, who has a suspected torn pec. Not good. Which is a very... And not a quick recovery, that one. Well, it never used to be. Injury. Now, um, you know, players seem to tear a pec and come back three weeks later. So, um, I well, think we'll recovery see. methods we'll have improved Mitch, significantly. In a couple of years, Mitch Pierce missed half a season on this. If they're going to Germany to spin the blood. Yes, I think so. Anyway, so um, for the Dragons who were going into the contest with three, three straight wins, they were starved of possession of the ball in the end with just 42% of the ball. Um, Dra- Dragons coach Anthony Griffin tried to pull some magic before uh, the game. <laughs> of course he did. With ta- with Tarek Sims starting at prop and Jack Bird moving into the back row, which allowed Talatau and Monet to start at 5-8. I'm not going to go through try by try. The the Dragons they are won three in a row, but they're just not in the Storms league. No, right? no. And and I think Nick I think Nick Meany will now play fullback for the next month. Yeah. I, but I think it's a big loss flying Ryan against the Panthers. It's a huge loss because Flying Ryan is just a brilliant player. Um, you know, again, the Storm were just too good. The Dragons hang in a little bit at the start. They didn't let the Storm get away, but eventually the Storm's class just told, right? Like you say, Remus Smith's out with a torn peck, which I think is a big loss because they've got quite a settled side. I don't understand how people keep on falling for Jerome Hughes' step. He always does the same <laughs> step all the slow time, motion. right? And it's in, actually in it is motion. in slow motion, but he just keeps on going through. So it kind of makes yeah, me laugh yeah. a little bit. For me, my favourite try, and this is also on um, Nick Meany Hill, is the pass by Munster to Nick Meany, and he just torched Zach Lomax and then cut in like out of a car between the Moses and By and the fullback. It was a great try. showed his speed. And I, I'm glad he's being unleashed by the storm and you're really starting to see how good he is. I also loved Ryan Pappenheisen's first try. And I think that sums up Flying Ryan. He got the ball. He used speed to get around Hunt and Moses and Bayer with a step. But then he also used power and determination to bust through the Dragons forwards. And he's tiny, right? You can see everything on that try. The speed, the skill, the acceleration, but also the strength and the, the determination. The, the, the storm basically produced a bit of magic preparing for magic round warming up their magic for the Panthers. They were bloody fantastic. And the other try to Pappenheisen, second try, again, Munster flicked past to Meany, and Meany's banana kick 20 metres infield for Pappenheisen right on the money to be there. I think they'll miss Pappenheisen because that's a try that shows why they'll miss him. He's always there. If there's a half break, he's he's there ready to score. I thought they were fantastic and just too good. I thought Munster's playing just brilliant sort of ad-lib, eyes-up football, and it's really working for the Storm. They're just on a different league. Well, I mean, it's the game of the year, right? Yeah. Storm versus Panthers this this weekend, so can't wait for that. Shall we move on to the last game of the yes, round? Yes, we should. All right. The record-breaking Sharks have defied the odds to beat the Warriors with 12 men. First time a team has had a player sent off in the first half and lost to 12 men in 14 years. Yeah. Uh, and won the game in 14 years. 
Can I just start this off by saying I have never seen a team play dumber football than I have from the Warriors in this game. And they had Sean Johnson at halfback. That was... Absolute, they were rudderless in this game. Oh, yeah. They should have won the game. They were ter- I listened to an interview with Cam Smith about this game, and, he, and they go, what would you have done? And he said, we would have got together as a playing group for 30 seconds and discussed what that person being sent off means for their structure, and we would have attacked where the hole that created was. That clearly didn't happen at the Warriors. So, so well, well, think about it, right? Think about it. If a fullback gets sent off, what do you do? Where, where do you think the rest of the players are? They're defending in the line, yes, right? Of course the they line. are. So there's a gap. So there's a gap in behind. I'm an SJ fanboy and an SJ stand to use the younger terminology. He, he was disappointing. He was disappointing. So, and they were down. They were down down to eleven at one point when Jesse Ramian got Sinbin, and they still won twenty nine. The Sharks were now, dominant by having by being a man down. What's okay down to eleven? And at one point being two, yeah, eleven. Can I just say though, I thought I think the ref did get the decisions wrong. I thought Will Kennedy was ten minutes in the bin, and I thought Jesse Ramians was a send off. Interesting. Okay, I thought, I think Will Kennedy's was one of those that looks worse than it is. I agree. I agree. But I think ten minutes would have been su- su- yes, sufficient for that one. Yes. But I thought Jesse Ramians was not ten minutes. I thought that was flush to the head with the shoulder. That was send. That's that a send off. Yep. Fair enough. Yeah. I think that's the more aggressive. And probably play that you want to get out of the game. I agree. I agree. The, the, the Sharks were down to 12 men for more than an hour after Kennedy was given his marching orders. It was a clothesline uh, on, on, on fullback Reese Walsh. Yes. And he bounced straight back up, right? Yeah. So credit to credit Reece Walsh. To Re- yes, six, absolutely. That was in the 16th minute. They were then down to 11 midway through the second half when Ramian was next to spend time on the sidelines for a high shot on Ewan Aiken. That should have been a send-off. However, the home side hit the lead in the first half and never let it go. Uh, to absorb the pressure and come up with 17 unanswered points in the second 40 minutes to record. They didn't score a point in the second half, the Warriors. The second try by the, the Warriors win. was magic, by just having say, say, said that. The Reese Walsh flick pass, falling backwards. When they scored that try, I thought they were going to run yeah, away. Yeah, and then Dejan Arce with the quick kick just to, to hit it um, to Vialia in the centre. That was great. But then, seriously, after that, T, like you were saying, SJ and... Rocco Berry just led in a soft try after they'd taken the lead to the Sharks. And then, like you say, they ran away with it in the second half. Ironically, I don't think the defence was their issue. I don't think the defence was, right? I just think when they had the ball, they did bonehead things. Yes, yep. So so you're defending, you've got 11 in the line, you haven't been able to crack the line. Your, your grubber goes dead by, like, giving them seven tackles and easing all the pressure. But it wasn't even a close one. It wasn't one of those ones that dribbles. Dribbles out, it's, it's just it, flying out. Yeah, if... If the grandstand wasn't there, Sean Johnson's kick would still be It'll land in someone's living room in the units behind yeah. Shark Park. Uh, uh, like, like, like yeah. guys. Not very good, uh, mate. They were terrible. Uh, uh, they were terrible. Can, can I just one more thing? Yeah. Nico Hines played two positions. Yes. Halfback and 5'8". And and, yes. Halfback and fullback. And correct. fullback. So Matty Moylan played 5'8", yep. actually, G. Good you watched the game. I'm glad. But, uh, yeah, so but but Nico Hines for me, he's probably played himself into the utility spot for Origin. I think I agree with you. I thought his game, the way he he played a hybrid role in that game, was really impressive. There were times where he, he was great. He actually came from behind playing as a fullback, and I think that bamboozled the defense, um, the, the Warriors. They didn't know how to. I read don't it. think the Sharks. I don't think the Sharks can win the comp, but I think they're a genuine top four side. I think they are. I mean, and good to see Connor Tracy back almost scoring a hat-trick. And even here, you can see him hitting the ball and be able to cut in and score a few tries. It may, it may, they've, got, they've got strike power across the field, the Sharks. I, 
they they played good, skillful football, and I think that made it hard for the Warriors. But the Warriors were poor; they really were. Really poor. I mean, it's not even worth talking no. about. It was just bonehead, just really bonehead, dumb, dumb, dumb footy. All right, we are trying to do a quick pod, and we're doing okay. G. Well, not should too we, bad. Should we go? Yes. Into, wait, should we? Should we go into the magic? Of round course, preview? we should. Let's start the magic. All right. Let's start the magic. We, we're only it can, and that's the dogs versus the knights. Oh, the dogs are a dollar, a dollar seventy-four favorites. The knights are two dollars ten. Are we a favorite? Game, are you serious? Yes, yes. It's going to be played in torrential rain. Um, you are the favorite, or are you? Hold on, let me have a look head to head. Yeah, you're a dollar seventy-four. I've got it right. Please piss off, G. Don't let make me doubt myself. The line is only two and a half points, though, to the to the knights. Um, this will be played in wet conditions, so um, I guess this will be this will suit the Bulldogs a bit better. But I I do think this is a tough one for me to call. If it was a dry track, I'd go the Knights. Yeah, I think the um, the wet the wet track will actually help the Bulldogs a bit. Um, it'll probably have it will basically make our lack of mobility mobility less of a achilles heel in this game but to be honest i saw good signs from the knights attitude wise last week their attack was a little bit better um and honestly with adam Kloon back i actually think they're going to be a little bit too good for um the dogs i just don't think the dogs attack is any good and i think the the, the knights have struggled with their defense and attitude at times but that's with teams that can take advantage of it, and the Bulldogs don't play that type of football. I'm tipping the Knights in this one. All right. Let's move on Unless to the second game on coaching. Friday. In which case, they'll get a win. Okay. The second game on Friday night yes. is the Manly versus Manly Seagull. You need to bring $100 with you because we're going to put a bet on each game. Okay, sure. So, it's, yeah, so we got yep. a, we got a, we got some interest in every game, right? Yep. So, second up on Friday is Manly versus the Broncos. It doesn't have to be a win. It'll be whatever bet you want. 10 bucks on each okay, game, Okay, right? yep. Manly versus Broncos. Manly are $1.60 favourites. The Broncos at home are $2.35 outsiders. The Broncos have three and a half point starts. So both these lines are less than a try. They're both tough games to call. I am leaning towards Manly with Tommy back. This, for me, is a difficult game to pick. And I am struggling to really... I I am leaning towards... If it's wet... If it's wet, DCE has a great kicking game, but then Adam Reynolds does as well. It's a really hard Adam game Reynolds to... has started to settle into the team. I think they're starting to become familiar with playing with um Adam Reynolds. I look, I think I'm, I might tip the Broncos, but this this is a, almost how I feel on the day sort of game. I I'm leaning towards Manly, but I I just think at home, big crowd, I think the Broncos might knock them off. Maybe, maybe. All right, let's move on to the Saturday game. And their centers, Stags and. Farnworth up against Trebojevic and Kula. I like Tolatau Kula, but they're two rookies up against two centers that are starting to really play consistent good footy. So if it's wet, if it's wet though, it's not going to be attacking game, right? It's going to be it's going to be one through the middle, and without Payne Haas, I don't know whether he's back for the Broncos. He's back. He's named. So yeah. Right. Right. Well, I mean, tough game, hey? It's a tight game. Tough Tough game. game. Tough game. Next up. For a different reason, this is a tough game to call. It's the Warriors versus Souths. Warriors are $3 outsiders. Souths are $1.39. War- Warriors have 7.5 points start, uh, which is low for a $3 outsider. And Warriors always react well to a drubbing. They will come out wounded, and Souths haven't been playing that well. I think the Warriors might get this. Ooh. Look, the Warriors are struggling. In the wet, in the wet I look for the halfback. The kicking game is very important in the wet. And 
I'm going to put SJ's performance last week down to a one-off. I think the humongous return of Marcelo Montoya will make all the difference, and I think the Warriors will win the game. I think I'm going to tip... Warriors are used to playing in Queensland. You know, there's a few things... Oh, I'm tipping Souths. I'm tipping Souths, because Cody Nicarima's made the move, so you know what? Do you think he'll play? Uh, he's been named on the bench, so I'm going... This is the Cody Nicarima sweepstakes, so I'm tipping Souths. Okay. I'm, I'm leaning towards the Warriors. Don't know. Next up, it's the who knows game of the round, and that's the Titans versus the Saints. Yes. Titans are $2 outsiders, and Saints are $1.80 favourites. Um, Saints, uh, Titans have a, only one and a half point start. This is another tough one to call. If I have to tip a team, I'm going to tip the Titans because they're, they're close enough to being at home. I'm tipping the Titans, but, you know, it worries me that they brought back the defensive powerhouse, um, Eastern Masters, to fix their defence. Uh, I... <laughs> Mate, have a look at Eason Martin's photo, <laughs> Eason Masters' photos when he broke into grade. And compared have to a now, look at him now, yeah, not a yeah, good look. No, look, I honestly, I've got, I'm going to pick the Dragons, but not because the, the Dragons will be solid. I just think, and Jack Bird, I like the move of Jack Bird back to the back row. I'm still not a fan of Moses and Bayat fullback. I think they really missed Terrell Sloan back there. But the Titans, mate, I want to pick them, but God, they've been disappointing. Their team looks. Better this week with Campbell, you know, Asako, Brimson, and Sexton in the back line, but they've been just, I don't know, they're just not playing well. I just don't know. I'm tipping the Dragons, but they might turn it on this week. I don't know. The Titans are all over the place. Who knows? They've been disappointing. Who knows? knows? All right. God, there's some hard games to tip this week, too. There are some really hard games. And the game of the season on Saturday night, which I am so looking forward to, the Storm versus the Panthers. Storm are $2.15 outsiders. Panthers are $1.71 favourites. Storm have two and a half points start. With Pappenhausen out, I go for the Panthers. If Pappenhausen was in, I go for the Storm. I think that's a fairly good summation. I think with Pappenhausen and also um, Remus Smith, I think with Marion Seve, who's been named, Dean Aramea has come in now. And move Nick Meany. They've lost a little bit of their firepower with the Storm. I'm going to tip the Panthers. But the the romantic in me hopes that one of my favourite players, Nick Meany, is man of the match. But I, I think that shuffle in the back line, T, makes the Storm less dynamic. And I think it won't be good enough to beat the Panthers. Like Meany will play good at fullback. But Iremia and Seve to come in and play their first games pretty much up against the Panthers. I think that's a tough ask. All right. We've got three games on the Sunday. Yep. First up is the Sharks versus the Raiders. Sharks are $1.28 favourites. The Raiders are $3.75 outsiders. Um, the Sharks, the Raiders have 10.5 points start. I'm tipping the Sharks, and they might do it by more than the 10.5 too. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm tipping the Sharks, mate. I think the Raiders got away with one against the Dogs because the Dogs were so poor. And I thought the Raiders, if they were really any good, would have really torched the Bulldogs last week. And the Sharks, they just play good football. They attack. And do you know what? I like the move now of Ramian, who's suspended with Connor Tracy. And I actually think that makes the Sharks better. Yeah, I think they'll do the Ramian. Yeah, and I think they'll do them easily. And the second game of the round is Roosters versus Para, 4pm on on Sunday night. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. I've got to wait all weekend to see my boys play. And and Cut's the big Roosters man. So it's our teams going up against each other. Roosters are $2.25 outsiders. Para are $1.65 favourites. And the Roosters have two and a half points start. I am tipping my mighty Eels. I am going to tip the Eels. And I love Bryce Cartwright. He's back on the bench. One of my favourite players. You know, with some of his magical skills. 
they looked really good, the Eels, and I think last week's win would have given them a little bit of confidence, but I'm expecting a good game because I thought the Roosters are starting to settle their back line with Suwali on the wing now, Momorowski, Manu settled in the centres. Um, I'm expecting a good performance by the Roosters, but I think the Eels, last week's win will spur them on to win this week too. All right. Well, good tip, G. And last but not least is the Ta- Tigers versus the Cowboys. The Tigers, $3.50 outsiders. The Cowboys are $1.31 favourites. The Tigers have nine and a half points start. G, can I tell you something controversial? You, you think the Tigers are going to knock them off? I think the Tigers might knock them no off. No way. You know what? I'm actually looking forward to actually watching the Cowboys play live. I think, look, I think the addition of Drinkwater... I say it is just, and the way he... Gee, is, gee, wet weather football, right? So the Tigers' defense comes back to the pack, right? Yeah, so, fair, fair fair call, yeah. actually. Fair call. So, so so that's why I think wet weather football, it's not going to be as easy to score points. Ooh. I know Chad Townsend's kicking game's going well, but yes. I think the Tigers might be up for a sneaky upset. Here. You know what? You've given me something to think about. I'm going to tip the Cowboys, but that is definitely something to watch out for. I think that's a good call, and I think that might bring them back to the pack, but I just think I'm expecting Drinkwater to have a huge game in this one. So, Cowboys. No, look, I, look, I didn't say it during the Roosters-Para game because I was so confident with Para, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the Roosters got up. I think I think wet weather football will make these games, uh, the, the chance of an upset a lot higher in these No, games. you're right. I think you are, because there's a few teams I'm relying on to play this attacking, free-flowing type of footy but if it's kind of torrential rain, it does make it much more difficult. So, uh, yeah, but I, right. look, I'm tipping the Cowboys, but give me something to think about. The Tigers have much more of a shot than I thought. All right, buddy. All right, well, that brings right. us to the end of another GNT show. It's a quick one this week. Uh, I'm flying up to join G. Thanks once again, G, for joining uh, us little people now that you've moved on and with your life. Uh, and, and I'll see you tomorrow. And we'll see you, listener. Hopefully, we'll, you'll hear from us next week you at will. Magic Round. You will. See you later, T. Um, look forward to seeing you up at Magic Round. Talk to you then. Bye. See you. Bye.